Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in studios here at the University of Notre Dame, where I work, and sitting across from me in his home studio in Portland, Oregon, is the man whose birthday is a state holiday in the state of New Jersey, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. Hey, Ken. How you doing, my friend? I am well. Yeah, thank you. Greatly honored to have my birthday recognized by my home state. You know, I mean, banks are closed. Uh, kids get the day <laughs> off of school. Uh, they have mattress sales. I mean, it's a fantastic holiday. It's a, everything you want. Uh, uh, and I know people send cards, letters, uh, parades. Fantastic. It's Deacon Herald Day. That's uh, that's what yeah. <laughs> some at some point there will be. I know it. I know it. No. <laughs> <laughs> when is your birthday? I realize now I don't even know when it is. Uh, June. Okay. In the month of June. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. June. Well, fantastic. So what have you been doing since your last birthday? <laughs> <laughs> traveling, uh, traveling the world, you know, yeah, <laughs> get yeah. ready to uh, head out to Australia here. And uh, you're going uh, with like Tim mentioned, Staples, uh, you mentioned last week with Tim Staples. Yeah. yeah we're so going on a little tour. What are you guys going to uh, do? You know, I usually, yeah. So we're speaking at a, um, uh, this has kind of come out of COVID now. We know kind of the draconian measures that were taken in Australia with regard to, um, you know, the pandemic. And so, you know, now that things are opened up again, you know, we want to try to go there and really encourage people to come back to the church, return to the sacraments, to not be afraid anymore, to live their faith with passion and conviction. And uh, that's what we're going to go there and help, help the folks in Australia do. Fantastic. Tim has been for many years, of course, at Catholic Answers and has written many books mm-hmm. and things like that. How did you get to know him? Yeah, from Catholic Answers and from okay. speaking, from the speaking circuit. You know, you sure. when you travel as much as I do and speak at these conferences, you get to meet a bunch of people and, you know, and, and you become friends. You see them often enough and then you you share, your, you know, your work together and stuff. And, you know, um, so we become friends uh, and, and which is a, a great privilege. You know, Tim is just a great guy, you know, and uh, a lot of people may not recognize he had a stroke, a pretty major stroke uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah, it's still actually still not 100 uh, percent, but but close. He's getting there, you know, he's with, with physical uh, therapy and and all of that. Uh, he's been that's why for a, a while there last year, he wasn't on Catholic Answers that much at all. And people were wondering what, what was going on. So, and, and he's made it public now. So now I can sh- I mean, I knew what was going on, but yeah, but I didn't want to say anything until he was public with what was going on. So sure. Um, so there are a group of us, Christophanic and Jason Everett, myself, and a number of others, and Hector Molina, who are praying, um, you know, doing special prayers and stuff for Tim. Yeah. You know, so uh, so he's his wife is allowing him to go <laughs> to Australia, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there's some issues with blood clots and things like that that led to the stroke. And so when you fly like that, you know, right, there's a tendency for your blood to to coagulate and things like that. But I think they've got the uh, medication and things right. And, and, and the things that he's doing physically now. So, yeah, so it's good to have him back and uh, out uh, speaking. So I'm excited to be with him on this, on this uh, tour. And it's a little bit short um, because Tim, you know, he just, his limitations. Um, 
So that's why this is only a week, but I'll be going back next year to do a, a broader tour of Australia and New Zealand uh, next summer. Oh, fun. Going to go to the land of the hobbits. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> you, right. I, I was supposed to go to New Zealand 2020, but of course I, sure. I got canceled. Are you going to go bungee jumping? Because I know that's a big thing in, oh, uh, in New Zealand. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Homie, don't play that. <laughs> I, um, I mean, I don't want to make fun of anyone, but strapping yourself to a, to a, basically a rubber band and throwing yourself off a bridge (laughs) does not seem like the sort of thing that I would really get a kick out of either. (laughs) Oh man. No, 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 no. Or, or skydiving, right? Jumping out of an airplane. No, perfectly good airplane. I'm I'm pretty happy in my seat with my seatbelt fastened at all (laughs) times. I mean, I think the worst part about skydiving would be um, trying to enjoy the bag of peanuts while you're falling out of the out of the plane. <laughs> I mean, you're just you're going to lose some of them, and that's just a waste. So. Uh, well, you know, Ken, they don't serve peanuts anymore. Oh, that's They're true. Way right? too many peanut allergies that have been serving pretzels and almonds. I do like the almonds. New thing now. I, I yeah, actually prefer yeah. the almond to the peanut, to be honest. And yeah. and we all know that the cashew is the king of nuts. So oh you know. yes, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> How have we never no, talked no about question. this before? Cashews. I also <laughs> really enjoy hazelnuts, uh, filberts. I really enjoy those mm-hmm. too. So thank God for Trader Joe's because uh, you know we had our Trader Joe's open here in South Bend, and now I have easy access to all my favorite nut snacks. <laughs> all right. <laughs> How awesome is that? That's but, great. But that's not why you called, as they say, because. <laughs> <laughs> Deacon, we've been chatting about the Holy Spirit and just really, you know, having a wonderful conversation about the various aspects of the way that we relate to. And the, actually, let's let's be honest. It's the Holy Spirit that takes the initiative. We've been talking about the ways that the Holy Spirit has revealed himself to us and continues to be in relationship with us, the faithful, and uh, with the church and to the entire world. The Lord and giver of life, uh, the Holy Spirit, has really um, been the center of our conversation for you know, the last two and a half months already. So we're going to pick up our conversation tonight by exploring the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit and kind of beginning our conversation uh, with there. What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Deacon? Well, there's a couple of different listings of the gifts in Scripture. Um, St. Paul, of course, gives us a list. There's also a list in the Old Testament. Um, but the list I want to go with is what's in the catechism, right? Sure. So the, the catechism lists the seven gifts of the spirit as wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Now, of course, fear of the Lord in Hebrew, the word is Yahweh for fear. It doesn't mean be afraid of, but it's a filial fear. It means honor, reverence, and respect. So that fear, again, fear of the Lord is a very traditional way of stating that, but it really means honor, reverence, and respect. It's it's what you would give to a parent, right? Your your fear of disappointing or hurting your parents, right? It's that filial kind of fear. Uh, That's what's being spoken of there for that particular gift. Yeah. And then the gifts of the Spirit, the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit, as we we say, like in... in, uh, you know, many songs and things, the sevenfold gift, um, is then complemented by the fruits of the Spirit. And so briefly walk us through what the fruits of the Spirit are, and then what's the difference between the two? Okay, so this list is from St. Paul. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit, and there's 12 of those. Right? So charity, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. So the fruits of the Spirit are the perfections that the Holy Spirit forms in us as the first fruits of eternal glory, right? So, so when we freely cooperate, because we, we receive the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit in confirmation, right? So that's right. why in the early church, you see that confirmation uh, happen at the same time or very soon as possible after baptism. It doesn't, now that's not saying that the, the, the Holy Spirit's not working in baptism. It works in a different way. So baptism, right, is the, the removal of original sin. So the glass is empty, right? And so the Holy Spirit fills the soul with sanctifying grace, which is a grace that we need to get to heaven. Those graces are strengthened by the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and those, when we cooperate with those gifts that perfect virtue in us, then that bears fruit in our lives. And the fruits are those 12 that I just mentioned just now. So it's a wonderful relationship of connecting the Holy Spirit with our everyday lived experience. The You mentioned, you know, receiving these gifts in confirmation, and we actually name them in the rite of confirmation in the prayer that the bishop prays. Uh, it goes like this, Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who brought these servants to new birth by water and the Holy Spirit, freeing them from sin, send upon them, O Lord, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Give them the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and fortitude, the spirit of knowledge and piety. Fill them with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So that's kind of a beautiful prayer because, again, it reminds us that this act that we are doing in the, in the um, rite of confirmation is connected to our baptism. We've already been wiped clean from sin. We've been cleansed of sin through the waters of baptism, which is an act of the Holy Spirit as well. And now we are being sealed with these gifts by name, uh, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is then confirming us that he's filled us with them. Uh, and so I love it. It's, uh, again, we, we name, there's, what is that? Uh, there's a kind of an evangelical uh, kind of prayer movement called name it and claim it. You know, it's like oh, you, yeah. you name, you know, name that you want rich, you know, riches and, and God will give those to you. Here it's doing it in the very words of sacred scripture. We are, we are naming the gifts of the Holy Spirit because God is confirming that he is indeed pouring them into our hearts uh, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I love it. It's fantastic. One thing here with these with these amazing gifts and uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit is that the key to all of this is cooperating, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. God, I mean, God freely gives us these gifts, but the key is to cooperate with the gifts, which is why, you know, I personally am an advocate for going back to the original order of the sacraments. It was actually historical. Um, reason why the sacraments in the in the west are out of order you know because you know it's, it's it's baptism confirmation eucharist um in the but for 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 most of us in the church it's baptism eucharist then confirmation yeah you know so so briefly um the original order was in fact we still have the original order in the easter vigil right when, That's when correct. um 
when people come into the church, it's still that original order. In the Eastern Church, even in Eastern Catholic churches, the Maronites and the uh, you know the eleven different Byzantine churches, you know the Ruthenian and the Ukrainian and all those, other, it's still that same original order. So what happened with us was that there was a heresy called Jansenism at the end of the uh, toward the end, the middle and the end of the nineteenth century, and where there was a bishop named Jansen who basically taught that we were unworthy to receive the sacraments. And so the heresy was defeated, but there were still residual effects of Jansenism. And so Pope Pius X, I want to say 1910, somewhere in there, established an age for reason for receiving the Eucharist. Because here's what would happen, Ken. You'd be baptized as an infant, right? Normal. And then you would wait for the bishop to come around to your town, you know, because remember, there were no cars. It's the fact that it may take sometimes years before the bishop can come remember because in, in in the uh in the west in the latin right it's the bishop who is the ordinary minister of confirmation so you would be baptized you'd have to wait for the bishop to come he would confirm you then you receive the eucharist and because people were not receiving the sacraments especially the eucharist pope pius x established an age uh, for you can receive the eucharist as the age of reason so now what would happen is you'll be baptized you would receive the Eucharist. And then when the bishop finally made it around to your town, then you would be confirmed. You see? Yeah. So yeah. so it, it got out of order. And for some reason, we've kept that order. I, looking at these gifts and fruits of the spirit, I am a proponent of giving the sacraments early. So you would get, be baptized and then confirmed and received the, the, the uh, uh, Eucharist at the age of reason. Give them, our young people, the grace early and then teach them for the rest of their lives how to use and cooperate with those gifts, how to, to live virtuously, how saying yes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit leads to great fruits in your life. Not just these wonderful 12 fruits of the Spirit, but also help you to become the person who God created you to be, right? To, to really foster and nurture the gifts that you receive from God that ultimately are to glorify him, whether you're going to be a musician or uh, an athlete or a physician or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom, whatever your vocation is, these fruits of the spirit will help you to become the person who God created you to be. So that's what I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. There's some dioceses that have already gone back to that. I know that uh, Fargo, for example, North Dakota has gone back to that original order and, uh, uh, and several others have uh, as well. Yeah. I agree absolutely that, you know, why stifle the action of the spirit, uh, you know, and pour out and seal our kids with with the uh, the gifts of confirmation. Uh, totally, totally on board with you there. Of course, I don't get to make a lot of yeah, decisions yeah. at the diocesan level, but if I was in charge somewhere, I would I would uh, totally agree with you. Now, it does mean that uh, that we need to. I think you also hinted it. We need to continue to educate and teach our young people and honestly our adults as well how to live out the fullness of their baptism and confirmation. That's a need that we need to do anyways, regardless of when confirmation takes place. We need to be emphasizing the beauty and the power of the gifts and fruits of the Spirit in our lives. 
Uh, this is partly why you and I are talking about the, the Holy Spirit here on the show is because we each have been energized by our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we want to share and invite others to do the same. But uh, we need to see more of this sort of uh, learning and appreciation of the, of the Holy Spirit's actions in our lives, uh, not just on radio shows, not just on podcasts, but actually in our parishes, from the pulpit, in the homilies, uh, in our adult faith formation, and in our uh, religious education for children as well. The Holy Spirit is our consoler and our guide and that which animates the church. So we need to um, embrace a deeper relationship with the Spirit. Yeah, I think it should be a continuum, you know, because right now what happens a lot of time is that the you know, kids get first reconciliation and first communion. Mm-hmm. And let's say they go to public school. Say, you know, there's no Catholic schools. They can't afford to go to Catholic school. So there's very, let's be honest, there's very little catechesis that's done. Maybe they'll be going to some kind of youth or activity at their parish, Um, you know, uh, but then the next big thing is confirmation. Right. Right. So now, okay, now we got to start thinking about God again, you know, and let's be real. How many parents are really fostering and helping to foster deep intimacy with the Lord for their children? They're not even doing it themselves. Right. You know, that's why I love these parishes that are doing family catechesis now. Right. They're not just catechizing the children, they're also catechizing the parents. Okay, now confirmation. Okay, then they then they go off to college. Then now what? What's the next thing? Marriage or maybe priesthood or religious? I mean, so but it should be a continuum. Give them the grace early, up front load the grace, and then teach them as they're getting older, as they're maturing, as they're developing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Okay, now at this phase in your life, this is how you cooperate more deeply with God's grace. It's an ever unfolding, uh, deepening of love and intimacy with the Lord at different, uh, all these different aspects of their life. It's not just something that happens at this time when you're at this age. It should be something, because that pattern is something that they'll carry forward for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Because there's something that they're just, this is who I am. This is what we do. This is not just something I do when I'm 12 or 15 and and, you know, it's something that it's just part of who they are. Protestants do that, yeah. you know, and I think that's something we could take from from their book. I mean, yeah, they, they have their kids learning Bible verses from five and six years old, you know, and I'm not saying we necessarily follow that pattern of memorizing verses, but but showing young people how to cooperate with the grace, showing how how we have to be countercultural, you know, fighting against this uh, push to really uh, secularize every aspect of culture and society to remove God from society, even in our schools, you know? So, I mean, this is something that, um, that needs to start early and often. Two of the things you just said there, I think are bear repeating. And the first is that parents can't give what they themselves have not received. And so, you know, when we as adults don't uh, seek out our own ongoing education and formation as disciples. It is very difficult, if not impossible, to form our children as disciples either. Um, And parents ultimately have, you are the primary educators of your children, even educators, education in the faith. That's why it's called the domestic church. You are invited and given the responsibility to form your children as disciples. But if you yourself are not a committed disciple, you can start that change today. Go to the sacraments, embrace, you know, go to confession, go to mass and begin to pray regularly. Pray and read the scriptures and read the catechism and actually 
you know, seek to become a disciple yourself so that you might be a better formator for your children and a better example as well. And it, it'll strengthen all aspects of your life. It won't be just for your children. It'll be for your marriage. It'll be for your, your own walk with Christ and ultimately pay off in eternal salvation. Uh, you know, this is what it's all about. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is too often we've treated confirmation as graduation from formation and said, well, you're confirmed now. You never have to darken the door of a church again. You never have to go through another sacrament again. Too often, that has been the attitude towards confirmation. And confirmation is meant to be an empowering. It's meant to be a stake in in our walk with Christ, a sealing in the Holy Spirit to, to begin to flourish in the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. And so it's not just something that is a... Catholic bar mitzvah. It is actually meant to be a sign of relationship with Christ. And it is a, it's one and done in terms of it's unrepeatable, but we can renew our commitment to and our relationship with the Holy Spirit by asking the Holy Spirit to come and just pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in us the fire of your love. Oh, awesome reflections there, Ken. That's absolutely beautiful. And so, I mean, I hope this is something that parents, you know, take heed of, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, there's so many things going on in our life and we're so busy, but it's, it's a matter of prioritizing, right? I mean, we make time for things in our life that are important to us. Mm-hmm. We just do, you know, we make time for the Super Bowl, you know, we clear our schedules to make, you know, so that important things can happen. And, you know, what is more important than helping our children get to heaven? What's What's more important than fostering? virtue in our own lives so we can become you know better witnesses of god's love to the world you know that that, that's really where our our priorities uh should be i mean who doesn't want to improve their marriage i mean i mean you and and julie have the perfect marriage you guys you you never fight you never you know you're you're, you know you're perfectly in love you know just you know just the only the great the only greater couple than you guys was joseph and mary come on let's let's be real now (laughs) Everybody else yeah. has to really yeah. work at this thing, you know. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just, of yeah. course, I'm just kidding. But of course, is but the deeper we cooperate with God's grace, I think the more um, fulfilled different aspects of our lives become. Yeah, you know, you mentioned before uh, as you were going through the list of the gifts of the Spirit, you talked about fear of the Lord, and um, you know, we have you know we have a couple minutes left here tonight. I'd love if you'd kind of walk through, you you mentioned that this fear of the Lord is not fear as in, you know, that you get while you're watching a horror film, but instead it it has to do with honor, reverence, and respect. I wonder if you can unpack that a little bit for us, Uh, maybe as kind of our last bit tonight, and we'll pick up the conversation then again next week. But what is fear of the Lord? Yeah, so this fear of the Lord is, as I mentioned before, is like a filial fear. Now, what what I mean by filial fear? Very interesting. In the listing of the Ten Commandments, uh, in the book of Exodus, the fourth commandment is honor your father and your mother, right? Right. And what's interesting, that is called a hinge commandment because you you, you typically think the, 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 the commandments are broken up, love God, right? One through three, and love your neighbor as yourself, four through 10. But- the fourth commandment is called a hinge commandment. Okay. Because it's both love God and love your neighbor. Why? Because it's the only commandment that comes with a promise. 
<laughs> is the only commandment that comes with a promise. And remember, here's the other thing about it. It's not the Ten Commandments. In Hebrew, uh, the, 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 so the word commandment is mitzvah. So when you're bar mitzvah, right, you become, bar means son, you become a son of the commandments, or female, ba mitzvah, you become mm-hmm. a daughter of the commandments. But the word that's used in the book of Exodus is aseret hadibrot, literally the ten words of God. So the word commandment is not there for ten, for ten commandments, the, the, literally the ten words of God. And so in that fourth commandment, the word of God, when it comes to honoring your father and mother, comes with a promise. And it's it's that beautiful promise that God also bestows upon us through the gifts of our parents, right? Because God is the ultimate. He's our father, right? Right. And so like any father, he wants what's best for his children. And he promises us if we cooperate with his grace, then we can have eternal life. We become adopted sons and daughters of God, right? And brothers of Jesus. You know, so that we, we see the seedbed of that in that fourth commandment. And so the, the, the parents are honest because in a sense, they represent the father uh, 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 in heaven. You know, so the, 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 re, the, re, the reality of the family is like a trinity, you know, so the love between the father and the son is so deep in him, it gives life to a third, the Holy Spirit, who gives life and love back fully and completely to the father and the son. And so a father and a mother. The, the love between them is so intense, a person gives birth to a third who, who was supposed to give love and life back to the parents as well. So there's this honor, reverence, and respect. And I get it. Parents aren't perfect, right? <laughs> parents make mistakes. Sometimes they, they come under the influence of sin themselves, drunk or, or alcohol, and there's abuse and all kinds of things that go on. So it's hard to, to recognize that uh, in parents that aren't perfect, but the, the God's love will never fail us. So that, that's that honor, reverence, and respect for our parents that that also is reflective of our honor, reverence, and respect, or fear uh, of, of God, a fear of disappointing, fear of hurting, fear of not fulfilling um, the promise that, that God has given us in the scriptures. Fantastic. Now that's a challenge as much as it is a promise though, right? Yeah, uh, that's right. As you said, because our parents aren't perfect. No, no parent has been perfect uh, since Our Lady uh, Mary, uh, which must have made it a little difficult for Joseph on occasion. I'm going to imagine because he was the only <laughs> non-perfect one in the in the Holy Family, but uh, but he was a just man, so we know that. But well, Deacon, we have run out of time for our conversation. However, we do invite you to connect with us on Facebook. Just type in Living Stones Media into your Facebook search bar. Connect with us there. You can also download previous episodes of the show at moderndayeradio.com. Until we gather next week, however, Deacon, might we have a blessing. May Almighty God bless you and keep you and protect you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.